you just got to learn, and I'm getting better at it every day, just to let it go. For we sure. can only control us. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I think that's part of why you struggle with it. You're like, I want them to be okay. I want them to let it all go. Maybe they don't want to let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a point. Maybe there's a reason why. Maybe there's something they're dealing with that has nothing to do with you. Maybe they're going through something in life that we don't even know anything about. Maybe nobody ever will. There's so many factors to people's lives. What is going on, guys? Dr. Jared Nelson here, and welcome to the podcast, The Better Man with Dr. Jared Nelson, where you can never be perfect, but you can always be better. Today, we have a very special guest with us today, Bo Parker. What's going on, dude? <laughs> What's up, man? Yeah. It uh, has to be an Oliver fan. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because Bo Jackson. Yeah. And Bo... Nicks. <laughs> touchy subject. Very touchy. You got to be a very touchy subject. So, here's the scenario, dude. Uh, you're in the gym. There's a guy that comes up to you. I, I say this to everybody. You're in the gym, and he's like, uh, you look so familiar. What do you do? Go ahead and start off, bro. All right. Well, my name's Bo. I've worked at Publix before for about a year. So, you know, you see a bunch of people throughout that when they come in and interact with a bunch of different people. Um, they may have saw me at church because I've always been pretty involved wherever I'm going. Um, worked at a coffee shop. That's where I'm at now. And then I also do photography on the side. So I've interacted with a bunch of different people. So um, that's probably where most people know me from, but yeah. Yeah. You got a lot of stuff going on and we're going to get into that. Got a lot of stuff going on. Um, so how old are you? Where are you from? Kind of start off with that and kind of what that's like. Yeah. So I'm 19 years old. Um, I've grown up here in Gadsden, Alabama my whole life. Um, graduated from Southside High School in, uh, 2022. Southside? Yeah. <laughs> Southside. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, I've been here my whole life. I'm born and raised and that's never left and just so this is it right now. Cool, man. Gazden's a good area. Uh, a lot of people like, I got to escape Gazden. For yeah. me, I've escaped. I've came back. You know, it's been a decent area for me. Good place to grow up a little bit and then venture off into whatever you want to do. Yeah, it's a good sure. place. But you got a lot of stuff going on. We're going to get into that in a sec. Uh, we'll talk about sports. I know you played soccer. Yeah. You played soccer in high school and stuff like that. Um, so kind of talk about high school, the way soccer was, kind of what that did for you in life. Go ahead and start yeah, off with that. So, man. so I played soccer. I started playing when I was three years old. So I played three all the way through high school. So 18. Um, so 15 total years of playing uh, just soccer. I also played a bunch of other sports, um, played baseball, football, uh, ran track and cross country as well. Um, but yeah, I played a bunch of different sports and it taught me a lot. Um, but really it. I got to the point where it was really, I mean, it was like a, a religion to me, you know, like that's, I found my identity in sports. Mm. Um, so, I, I mean, I love, I've always been a, a guy who loves sports, um, love the, to be competitive and that bond that you make with your teammates and coaches um, is something that, I mean, you never, like you'll never lose. Like I'll always, there's people I played soccer with when I was like six years old who I never saw, they moved off and then we see each other and I'm like, what's up, dude? Like, it's like, we never, we yeah. never left, you know? So you build those, those relationships that like won't ever be broken um but yeah it got to a point where it was really like it was an idol to me um in my senior year i actually tore my patella tendon in my left knee and had to get surgery um so that took me out it was right before the state race for cross country so it's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal senior year you know you want to go out there and give it everything you got because that's the last time um so right before that I tore that tendon and had to get surgery so that took me out um and really struggled with a lot throughout that time and can be sitting on a couch all day long you can't move uh so it's like i mean what do i do um and so that i wrestled with a lot of stuff then and ultimately that was kind of the start of 
my like really starting to pursue God was because I I quickly realized that my identity shouldn't be found in sports. Uh, right. It should be found in Christ. So uh, through that injury, uh, that is really, it's crazy that it took me 15 years of playing sports to figure out that my identity shouldn't be found in that. I always knew that, but it's like I I thought my identity was found in Christ until it was taken, the sports was taken away from me, and then I realized quickly that it had become an idol. But it's something that I wouldn't take for granted. I would do it all over again um, because I uh, learned multiple things throughout the time made tons of friendships and relationships, but where I'm at now today is because of everything I've gone through. So I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Right. Well, I think an idol can be anything. Yeah, uh, it should sure. be a person. Yeah. I talked about that. I think on the last podcast, it could be anything that takes your vision away from God, you yeah. know? And I think once you do that and then that's taken away, uh, you know, you really see you need a good foundation yep. and God is a foundation that can't be moved. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, once you kind of go through something, uh, you're at rock bottom and then you see, you know, I need a stronger foundation than what I've been doing for sure. Now the injury in soccer, when was that? It was your senior year. Yeah. Was it like the beginning, middle end? So it was November of 2021. Um, so that was during right at the end of the cross country season in the fall. Um, so the soccer season was the following spring. So spring mm-hmm. of 2022, um, it was supposed to be a three month recovery. So we weren't too worried. Um, we were thinking that, you know, it was going to be something that, you're going to have a setback, but you're going to be able to come back and play your senior year. Um, and I'd been, I'd started, started starting, um, as a junior, um, sophomore year, we had a really good team, but junior year was really when I stepped up into a starting role. Um, so I was pumped for my senior year, like ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I had that injury, um, it took me out, Uh, it was expected to be a three month recovery. Um, but it ended up being more like a nine month recovery. We would go through the the three months and they would do like a test to see if you're ready to go back. Um, and I kept having pain and I couldn't do certain movements. They're like, we can't, we can't send you out there and risk you getting hurt again. So it ended up being like a nine month recovery or something like that. And came back for the last three, last three games of the season. Um, it started off with senior night. Um, yeah, played senior night because, you know, even as an injured player, they'll put you in there for a little bit. Um, that had, it's crazy. I don't, it was really just God, uh, got out there my senior night and no pain, had tons of pain during warmups, but I was what? like, I don't care. I'm pushing through it. And we get out there as soon as that whistle blows, it's like all the pain went away. And I like had a great game. It was just us kind of just having fun with it. We played a team who uh, was kind of, you know, down a level, um, that, cause you know, senior night, you want to kind of throw out all the seniors not out there and not have to worry about taking yeah, a loss or anything. That's true. So, but man, we had a great time and it was cool to, kind of ended on that um and then we went into playoffs first round of playoffs um i told myself i don't care how much pain i'm in i'm gonna tell the coaches that i'm good to play mm-hmm. um as long as i'm not gonna hurt the team obviously because I, I wanted the, the best for the guys and i feel like i owed it to them to be honest um so um ended up they put me in there they didn't start me of course but they put me in second half played really well it's tied up went into extra time still tied up so we went into a penalty shootout and I uh, ended up hitting the game-winning penalty senior year, wow. so that was awesome. Sent us into the second round. Uh, second round was a little rough. Uh, really bad pain throughout the whole game. Didn't play well. We ended up losing. And but yeah, it was just a it was a great way to end it. Um, you know, going into the season not thinking it's going to be able to do it. Um, it's really hard, but I mean, being able to work through it and then still being able to get back on the field with the guys was awesome and just something that I loved. That's awesome, man. A bro- talk about a brotherhood. Yeah, no uh, joke. you know. 
I was in Drumline. I think I kind of told you a little, a little bit about yeah. some of those guys, man, we cannot talk. Some of them I hadn't spoke to in like 10, 15 years, but I could call them up now. And it's just like you pick off, you yeah. pick up, you know, just like you never stop talking. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your injury. Um, kind of what went through your mind during that? Because you said, you know, it became an idol that was taken away from you. Yeah. Seemed like a pretty dark place that you went through, really. Yeah, man, it was really dark. Um, you know, it's it's that tendon that I had surgery on is on a, a spot where if you move your leg at all, that tendon kind of flexes. Um, so if you move it in the slightest bit, and like it was send this really excruciating pain down your leg. So I was literally sat on the couch all day long, you know, just watching TV or movies or whatever. And first I was like, man, I'm living the dream, you know. But yeah. then you're like, man, like I can't do any of the things I love, you know. And so it's, you know, I, I started to struggle. I was like, man, like I'm just not happy. I got fell into really bad depression to be honest with you uh anxiety mm. was through the roof mm. um we ended up i ended up going on medication for anxiety because it was it had gotten so bad um, yeah. and so i got really depressed started going to see actually a therapist um went through that and you know and it was a very dark time very dark time but went through that and um struggled with uh just just the mental aspect of it was really uh, the physical i i mean it, it hurt, you know, trying to get back to where I was, but it was really the mental part and the, and the spiritual part. Um, the mental part, I was completely broken. I went from being this strong, like, mental guy who was like, man, I can take on anything to, mm -hmm. to really being humbled and kind of realizing, like, man, like, I don't know who I am anymore, um, you know. So I had to take it some time and through guidance of counselors and uh, ministers at church and people who I looked up to in my life telling me, like, you got to figure out who Bo Parker is outside of sports. Right. Because um, once you graduate, if you're not playing sports, who, who are you going to be? You know? Exactly. So they said that don't look at this as this is God like toying with you or something because that's not how God works. It's this is God trying to, to bring you closer to him. Um, so I had struggled with a good bit. And then once I kind of stepped back for a little bit, um, it was kind of more towards January, that January. I struggled really bad in November and December, but January is when started to realize I was like, okay, like I'm meant for more than just sports. Um, mm -hmm. so I started to really, really dive into the word and focus on my quiet time and, uh, just, just putting God first really. And you, you start to realize like, man, there's so much more joy found in him than I ever had in sports. Um, so that was really, that dark time was very, very dark. Uh, it was hard on my parents to watch me go through it. Mm -hmm. Um, my sister as well, but it came out and, by the time it was over, it was like stronger than I ever was before. So yeah. Christ is a solid foundation. Mm -hmm. You know, I alluded to that a second ago. Um, I think when you when you go down like that, man, it uh it's a shock for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people deal with divorce, marriages. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, anything can be an idol. You put up anything that to make it your identity rather than your identity in Christ, and that gets taken away from you and you see you know, anxiety, mental illness, different stuff can appear. And that's a real thing. Yeah. That's definitely a real thing. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, that's a lot, man. I went through the soccer uh, thing. So you alluded to your Christian faith. You talked about that a good bit. Yeah. Um, were you a Christian before this happened? Or, or yeah. what was your experience kind of just start from the beginning? Kind of what was your Christian walk life? When were you saved all that? Okay, sweet. So I grew up in a local church here in Gadsden um, where my mom was raised in that church um, in the doors every Sunday, Wednesday, everything they did. Mom and dad were taking us there. Um, so growing up, I had always heard the name Jesus, um, always been taught who he is, 
um, and everything like that. But I was about six years old, went to VBS um, every summer, but six years old was really um, the time that it had, it started to have an impact on me. Um, I kind of realized like it was really more of a fear of going to hell. I was like, man, I don't want to go to hell. Like, right. why would I ever want to do that? You know? Right. Um, so then were you in a Baptist church then? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah Baptist kind of gets a rap for that. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think a lot of younger people, not every church is like that, but I've heard a lot of people say, um, you know, that was kind of the reason I came. I was like, you're, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. And yeah. all that. It's, it's pretty interesting that you, that you say that, but yeah. Continue. So just some Baptists are like that though. Right. Like, not, I, I don't want to say their goal is to scare you into Christ, but right. sometimes that's the direction that they take. Right. Um, but yeah, so I was like bawling my eyes out that night. I was like, mom and dad, like, I don't want to go to hell. Like I want to be saved. And so we said the sinner's prayer. We talked through it with, um, my, like mom and dad, we prayed uh, that night and continued to pray about it for weeks. And then we went to my children's minister and ended up getting baptized. Um, and so I'll say baptized, but I, it's really, I'm going to say it was really more like getting dunked, like got lowered into it because after that, like I always believed in God. Um, but I never really had that change of heart. Right. So from the age of six, all the way through really high school, I believed in God. Um, I would do things as a believer in Christ. I would try to live a life that was, um, following Christ, but it was really only when things were good. When things would be bad, it was, you can, sometimes you can tell how deep your faith really is when things get bad. Absolutely. Um, so that's when I realized, um, like, Hey, like maybe I, maybe I believe in God, but maybe I'm not following God. And there, that's a, that's a really big difference, um, that I've come to realize is there's a, a verse in James actually that says for even the demons believe. And that's something that I've really kind of used when I tell people my testimony is, man, you can say you believe in God, but even demons believe in God. Even Satanists believe in God. Mm-hmm. It's if you follow God, do you believe that Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins and that you can have uh, hope in that and that he came to give you a second chance? You that's know? right. Um, and so when I realized that, um, it was, I realized that my junior year, but never, never really acted on it. It was my senior year when that surgery happened um, that I started to act on it. And then my the summer following so the summer 2022 when i graduated um me and my dad had gone on a senior trip out west but some of my high school buds um my best friends in high school were all going to the beach and they're like you like you should come so i went with them and we had a great time but the last night um or the last day we were sitting there on the beach and um these guys missionaries from kansas state university we're in Gulf Shores, Alabama, of all places, walking the beach, sharing sharing the gospel. Oh, wow. Um, and we were in the most intense game of spike ball that has ever been played. <laughs> like, in the middle of it, I was going crazy. <laughs> and these guys came up to us and were like, hey, like, do y'all have a second? Can we talk to you? And we were like, yeah. We're like, why not? Yeah, for sure. So they uh, they talked to us. They had this little, like, index card um, that had a couple verses on it. But they flipped it over to this one side, and it had three X's on it um, and a line drawn between them. And they said... That first X on that far left side, um, like put yourself there if you've if you've never heard the name of Jesus, you've never heard of it, you don't know who God is. Um, the second or the second X being that you've heard of God but you don't believe in Him, and the third one being you believe in or yeah you believe in God and you you follow Him and you're going to heaven one day. Um, and they asked us all like where do you where would you put yourself? And so we all said the third one. Um, but the conviction I felt in that moment was crazy. So I looked at mm-hmm. him and I said. Honestly, like I can't say with 100% certainty that I'm on that third one. I said, if there was a fourth one in between that second and third, we're like, I've heard the name of Jesus. I believe in him, but I'm not following him. I would say that's where I'm at. Um, and they said, so 
let me ask you this. Like, if you were to die right now, you know, that question, if, if you were to die right now, do you think you'd go to heaven or hell? I said, honestly, I think I would go to hell um, mm. because I believe in God. But if you look at the way I'm speaking, if you look at the way I'm acting, man, you would never know that I believe in God, you know? Right. And that's, that's sometimes actions speak louder than words. Um, you look at how Jesus acted. Some of the things he did wasn't just from saying things. He was just love. That's who Jesus is. That's and right. he would act that out. Um, and so I told him that I was like, man, I just, I don't, I think I would go to hell. I don't think I would go to heaven. Um, and so they said, I mean, why not change it? Why not do it now? Um, and I was like, let's do it. Like, why not? And so mm-hmm. they had another card. It was the sinner's prayer that they would give to someone if, um, if they ever had that conviction. Um, and they said, why, let's pray. And why don't you just read that out? Just forget that you're on the beach with your friends. Forget that there's people all around here. Just you and God, just read that out to them, like pray it. And I got like two words into it and just started bawling my eyes out right there in Gulf Shores, Alabama, mm-hmm. um, on the beach and couldn't even, couldn't even form a word. And I was standing up and I just fell to my knees, bawling my eyes out, all my friends, like, man, what's going on, you know? Um, but I just felt that conviction, like, man, like, how can I say that I believe in God if I don't follow him? You know, like right. I, I want to follow him. That's he's loves me so much. He's given me a second chance. Like I want to live a life that is completely devoted towards him. Um, and so we ended up like exchanging phone numbers. I still have their phone numbers uh, to this day and um, kind of walked through it. I called Mike Nemi, one of the pastors at Meadowbrook and yeah. uh, told him about it, called my parents. My parents were freaking out. They're like, like, cause I couldn't speak. I was still crying. They're like, Bo, we need you to calm down. You're five hours away. Yeah. We don't know like what's going on. <laughs> right. um, so I explained it to them and they were just so happy for me. And so when I got back, I started walking through that, um, had some sin, to deal with that I had hidden. So came up about it and I'll, I'll just be open because sure. I, I think this is good for men. Absolutely. Um, so I had struggled with pornography for six years. Very um, common. Yeah. Very common. Had gone through middle school um, and had been um, bullied um, a lot mm-hmm. and was trying to find a way out. And, you know, society, especially on the internet, you see only fans and stuff like that pushing and pornography saying this, this is a great way to relieve stress and anxiety. Um, so I had, I was like, you know what, let's try it out. So I tried it out and it it quickly became an addiction, you know, and I had tried to beat it on my own, um, for six years and had never been able to do it. And so when I made that decision, like I'm going to live for Christ, started telling everybody, I was like, I'm done. I can't do it on my own. I need accountability partners. I need to confess this to Christ, even though he knows that I'm sinning. He knows about this sin. I need to fall on my knees and just say, Lord, this is where I'm at and I need you. Right. Um, I think this, the, anxiety release during that moment oh my goodness um, yes. you know the stress that you have just the, for people listening that may be hiding something you know i've hid stuff in my life too dealt with pornography i've said in the past too yeah i think every man and especially we'll talk about your generation mm-hmm. in a second there's a lot of struggles just the access to everything is insane yeah but the the freedom you feel the peace you know, you don't have to worry about hiding stuff. You don't have to worry. You know, the and I think a lot of men are get stressed and anxious. So like, if everybody finds out there, you know, we're all dealing with stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so important to be around good men, be around people you can talk to about stuff and they can hold you accountable. You can support each other uh, sure. because holding that in, it's going to destroy you and it destroys people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, when like that, that feeling of peace was overwhelming. Right. Um, I told Mike. And then Chad and Chad Kitchens, uh, the young mm-hmm. adult pastor at Meadowbrook, and then mm-hmm. told a bunch of my friends. I even told friends of mine that who weren't even believers, um, partially because I wanted them to know, like, 
Christians aren't perfect people. The church isn't a place for perfect people. Right. The church is a place. It's rather than it being a place for perfect people, it's more of like a hospital for broken people, for people sure. to come to find refuge and strength. Um, so I wanted people to know, like, just because I believe in God, just because I have these Christian shirts or I'm posting these Bible verses on Instagram, like I've struggled, you know, I'm not a perfect being. And, and still so, do. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing about Christians. Uh, I post Bible verses too. I think every day I've been posting the daily verse just because I enjoy doing it. Maybe yeah. somebody can see it and maybe it'll, you know, uh, give them some advice, turn their life around, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but we're not perfect. Uh, we're, we're all sinful people. Even when you become a Christian, you still have sin that you deal with. We all have something we kind of gravitate toward. Yeah. Um, I think as, as sinful people. Um, and so we confess that we work on it, but we're still imperfect. Yeah. Um, but we do have a perfect savior. So there's a good thing about that. Yeah, that's good. But, uh, but yeah, thank you for opening up about that being vulnerable. That that was great. Um, so I want to talk about, um, out of fear, you mentioned a lot of Christians, um, a lot of Christians, some Christians younger, uh, I've talked about previously on this podcast, young children being saved six, seven, eight, nine years old, yeah. some even four and five. I yeah. mean, it happens where they say, I believe in Jesus. Um, I got saved when I was eight years old. I feel like it was, I understood it. It wasn't out of fear, really. I just felt the pull, my yeah. heart to to become saved and become a Christian. I learned a lot since then, grown a lot since then, made a lot of mistakes since then, and have reconciled all that. But um, how do you feel about being saved out of fear? Uh, do you think that's common? What do you think about children? Do you think they have the cognizant ability to be able to decide this is the decision I want to make for the rest of my life? Yeah, for sure. So the neat thing I believe about the gospel is that it's easy enough for a child to understand, but it's complex enough for an adult to struggle with it. That's deep. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the Bible, it's it's very clear on things, uh, but it's also there's a lot of things in it that can be hard to understand. Um, and I think that that's the way it's meant to be. Um, I think it's if we understood everything about God, then he wouldn't be God. Um, I think the reality is, is that uh, a person who is perfect, who doesn't struggle, who is incapable of messing up, um, he's incapable of sinning because he's so he's so perfectly good um, that it's it's incomprehensible for us because right. we are sinful beings. Right. Um, and so I think I think it is. Um, 100% acceptable for a, a child to say this this guy loves me enough to send his son down to save me because I mess up I turn my back on on him I don't deserve to to be given a second chance but he loves me enough to do it I think that that there's something beautiful about that and there's I think it's 100% um acceptable for a child to say like hey like you know I I want to do that I want to live for him you know mm-hmm. um as far as being saved through fear, uh, that is, it's something that's dangerous. I want to say, um, mm-hmm. I think that as believers, we shouldn't be trying to scare people, um, into, into faith because I think there's a healthy fear of God. 100%, You're right. A 100. reverence. Yes. More of a reverence. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think if you're wanting to be, to be saved because you don't want to go to hell, I think your I think your mindset's in the wrong place. Um, there's this saying that, is really hit well with me is if if Jesus was the only one in heaven, would you want to go? Like it's not about seeing your your grandmother who's passed away or your best friend. Like mm-hmm. if Jesus was the only one in heaven, would you still want to go? Mm. Um I've even heard people say, Do you want the kingdom or do you want the king? And that's that's deep when you think about it because right. we should want the king one hundred percent. We should want to be with Jesus. 
Um, you know, but when heaven is this place without sin, that's perfect. Naturally, we we're like, man, I want to, I long for that, you know. Um, but we should also want to long for the king. Um, I think that it's it's healthy to want the kingdom, but I think it's even healthier to want the king, uh, the one who died for you, who came as a as a baby, lived a life, went through all the temptations we did, but made it out. You know, he didn't yeah. sin um, at all, and so he loves us deep enough to do all that and to go through that. And I think to be with him would be awesome. You That's know? good. You went very deep on that. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. A lot of good stuff there. Um, think about a relationship. I think the reason why it's not good to be coming to it in, in fear is yeah. because you want to develop a relationship. Yeah, so if you sure. take like a marriage, right, um, there's abuse, there's terrible things happening. A wife fears her husband. Mm. How is that relationship going to be? Mm. Imagine that relationship with God. Like you fear God. You're afraid of him, like his wrath. Sinners in the hands of an angry God, you know, all those pictures. Did you learn about that mm-hmm. in school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So imagine all that. I don't, I don't think that's the way God has intended this. I think, he, you know, he wants us to have a relationship with him. Yeah. He is love. Now we have, you know, we follow him. We have sin in our life. We do all that. But he wants to develop a relationship with us. And I don't think he wants us to be fearful of him. Uh, he wants us to have a reverence toward him. Yeah. But, but a fear of him, I think, is a bad thing. Yeah, for sure. I think that example of. The husband and the wife is, I mean, perfect. Like, I just thought of that. That's a good way. Yeah, it was a good yeah, one. I, was, I swear <laughs> that. That was it good. It was pretty good. <laughs> well, you're a Christian faith, man. Uh, I haven't really said this to you ever, but uh, I look up to you in ways, dude. You're doing a lot of good things. And uh, the way you carry yourself and all that, you've got a bright future ahead of you. You really Thank do. You. Thank you. Now, you do photography. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, Bo Parker Media yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. Give him a follow. I'm going to put your links, all the links to your stuff in the Sweet. description. We'll Thank get all you. that link down and we'll get that shared. Awesome. Uh, tell us about your photography journey. Kind of what are you kind of entrepreneurial in a way? What's okay. your, your, cause I've seen your stuff on f- social media. The football stuff's amazing. So kind of tell us how you got into that uh, and what you're doing now. Cool. So yeah, it was something that I had never planned on doing. Um, I had always, I've always been someone who's found like a hobby. Um, like I do it until I get burnt out and then I like find something else. So, you know, like going through Christmas or birthday, I would always ask my parents, like, can I have a camera? And they're like, cameras are expensive. I don't want to yeah. give you that. And you do it for a month and be like, mm, no. So mm-hmm. we never got one. But when me and my dad went out West from a senior trip, we went out to Yellowstone and Wyoming and everything. We took my granddad's camera. Um, Was it Jackson Hole? Yeah. 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 We went I out heard Jackson a lot about Hole. that place. Yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous. But took my took my granddad's camera um and took some pictures and I was like dude I love this um and so when I got back talked to my parents and I was trying to figure out what I that was right before college started and I had no idea what I wanted to do I was thinking about nursing or I, something medical field related because I was like <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> or something medical field related um because I love helping people but I, I wasn't like a hundred percent sure. And I didn't want to make that commitment and spend all that money if I, if I didn't love it. Um, so I, I convinced him like, let's just take a gap year. I know that that can be a daunting task because you know, there's a fear of if I take a year off, I'll never go back. Um, so I talked about it and made a presentation, like a PowerPoint and presented it to him. I wow. was like, to your parents. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was really trying hard. I was like, just think about it. Like I could work, save up money, um, try to figure out what I enjoy, what I see myself doing. Just take a year to really pursue God and let him shape me and mold me into the person that he wants me to be and lead me in a direction that he wants me to do. So did that. And I had saved up money on the side throughout high school to get me um, a laptop for college, mm-hmm. uh, like a MacBook or something. And so when I took a year off, I was like, man, like I love taking pictures. Like, what if I just 
got a camera and did that on on the side of, of my job at Publix um, to make some extra cash. Um, so I got got one and it came in the mail and I messaged um, the football coach out of Southside. I just graduated from there, knew all the coaches, knew all the players. So I had relationships that were still there. I was like, hey, like, could I come out to a practice and take pictures of the guys? I know the guys would love it. Um, I could give them to you for social media purposes and just so I can figure out this camera thing. So I went out there and I was like, dude, like, oh, I freaking love this. You yeah. Know? Um, so I did it for two days and then I was like, dude, what if I did it for their game? So hyped up some information and, it, um, you know, sent it out to all the players and they gave it to their parents and had like 15 or 20 guys say, Hey, I want pictures this year. So I started off with that charge very cheap because I had just started. I was like, I'm not, if I'm charging money, I'm not going to do it. It's right. expensive. Right. Cause I mean. I'm not saying I'm good now, but I'm a lot better than I was before. And I'm sure there's no reason I should have been charging expensive. So I think I did that very well. Um, and the, it took pressure off the parents cause they want to sit back and watch their kids play and they don't want to have to have that pressure of taking pictures for their children and everything. So the parents loved it. The kids loved it. Um, I got to be on the sidelines with the team, get some behind the scenes pictures where they're on the sidelines that the parents can't get. So those are really cool. Um, and then once I did football, I had people, I had the basketball coaches reaching out. So I did basketball. Then I had soccer and baseball and I mean, track people want me to do it. And I'm like, man, like it just fell into place. So, yeah, um, I've continued to do that on the side. And I thought about doing it full time, like doing that as a career. Um, but I think I love it too much to make that a full time thing. Um, I have that fear that if I, I got burnt out a little bit on it at one point. Yeah. And I was like, so I took a little bit off and I was like, man, like I love that too much. To, to overdo it and to fall out of that so um i'm just i'm taking it easy this year i'm doing school working at a coffee shop and then doing that on the side as well so um trying to be smart about it because i love it too much to try to fall out of it and i kind of want that to be a side gig i have um all the way throughout my life and then maybe when i retire do that you know it's some get some extra cash and everything but um that's the dream but yeah yeah you started out at humble beginnings man just starting out small and then yeah. probably the demand got so high yeah yeah it just got too demanding and a lot of entrepreneurial type stuff that's kind of how it is but you being one person maybe you expand your team you know maybe yeah. if you want to ever grow it but i understand that too uh, i work full-time and then i do this kind of on the side but if you i think it's good to to have a passion like that mm -hmm. maybe it can become your full-time job but I think, um, you know, maybe you could grow it and have more people eventually yeah. and, then, uh, and then grow it into something, maybe. Yeah, I've only been doing it for a year. Um, you know, I've met tons of people in that industry. Um, I've had a couple who have said, like, hey, like, you want a job? Like, I'll, I will hire you on the spot right now. Like, yeah. I just, it would just, it would have to be a commitment. Um, and, you know, there's a guy named CJ Gilbert from Unlock Your Game who's been really, he does, like, all football stuff and sports stuff. He's fantastic. Um, right. So y'all can check him out. But he does... He's been a really big inspiration to me, um, just really big supporter and helping me out through things. Um, so I, I really look up to him. Um, but it's it's pretty cool, the people that you meet and the relationships you build just around a camera. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's that's how I kind of, Bo Parker Media came to be and everything like that. That's but, awesome, man. Well, your work's amazing. Seen a lot you. of it. The lighting, all that. Thank Love you. it. Do thank a little you. photography, small videos, all stuff yeah. myself. But that's Sweet. awesome, dude. So Publix. Yeah. Uh, kind of a my pleasure kind of yeah. experience. <laughs> so tell me kind of your experience at Publix. You worked there during high school and recently started doing the coffee shop thing, but let's rewind to Publix a little bit. Yeah. How was the experience working there? Take me into the underground since you're not working there anymore. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on behind the scenes yeah. there? So, uh, I mean, Publix, the whole thing that 
we try to get across. I say we, I don't work there anymore, so I guess they. Yeah. <laughs> but they try to get across as premier customer service. You know, mm-hmm. you want to go out of your way to help people, which I love that. Uh, I feel like that was a good fit for me. Um, they treat their their associates pretty well. Um, the benefits there are phenomenal. If you ever, um, if you like, I if I wanted to make a career out of that place, it would have been a great place to do it. Um, I mean, they have fantastic benefits for their full time employees. Um, and it was it was a good a good place to uh, a good place to you know work at. I started off kind of as a cashier, um, and then got promoted. I were, really wasn't even looking for a promotion. They came to me like, "Hey, like we're gonna train you for this." The cream like, rouses to the top, man. Yeah, hey. I was like, uh, "I don't I don't know about this." You like, got talent. That's it. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah, but uh, so I ended up getting a promotion. Um, and then once I got that promotion, I kind of realized the behind the scenes stuff. Like, there's a lot of stress that goes on to it. Um, but honestly, I hadn't experienced. There was a lot of fake people, and that's can't stand that like yeah. i would rather if you don't welcome like me to life yeah welcome, welcome to, to no, life no joke dude no joke that's a big thing coming out of high school going into the workplace yeah. the workforce it's a shock to a lot of people i remember i worked at blockbuster video i mentioned before one of the best jobs ever still i uh, wish it was still open rest in peace <laughs> but uh you know going into that i i went home and told my parents they're they're like indoctrinating me because i took these modules of like customer service how to interact mm-hmm. I'm like they're trying to tell me how to act and all this yeah. stuff it's it's different uh trying to navigate the world kind of after high school and stuff there's kind of a growing curve there yeah for sure um but yeah so my thing with with fake people i was like if you don't like me say to my face it's not that i'm gonna get upset and like punch you i would just rather you be real with me and let me know and let's just go our separate ways yeah exactly or i mean if there's something we can work out i mean i would love to work it out so that we can like still work together and be professional and i mean hopefully have a good relationship like i don't i mean i I guess i am like a people pleaser i just i just want to work things out you know right um but there was for a little bit there was a toxic environment there um i think it's a lot better now there's been some people who have left um but uh, I had some great experiences with my customer service manager. She was phenomenal to me. Um, There's a couple of managers like higher up that I just, I didn't jihad with, to be honest with you. They never had a thing for me. Um, And so I tried to, I respected them um, because, you know, they're higher up for me just because you may not agree with them mm. on certain things doesn't mean you don't respect them. So I tried to be respectful as possible throughout that. But ultimately I did think, for a while that I was going to try to pursue a career in there just because the benefits are so well, the money is, I mean, pretty good. They pay their associates well. Um, but I ultimately realized like, I just don't think the grocery business is for me. Um, yeah. I don't need to chase it just because the benefits and money's good. I want to be happy. Um, and even if that means taking a pay cut, I'll do it. Well, so. being 20 years old, saying 20, right? Yeah. Or 19 right now. 19. Yeah. About to be 20. That's pretty insightful thinking for, for a young age, for yeah. sure. I think a lot of people, especially young, they want the money, they want mm. the fame, all that. But to be able to say, hey, I'm good. I know what my direction in life is. That yeah. takes a lot, of, a lot of courage to do. Yeah. Uh, it took me, I mean, I worked there for about a year and it was... Really about the ninth month was when I really kind of realized like, all right, I think this job has been good for me. I've learned a lot, um, realized that I would rather be happy than um, be chasing money and not being happy. So, Well, you see somebody stays at a job for 40 years, they're miserable, all that. They're afraid of change. Yeah, Change is inevitable. Yep. And I, if, if you don't change, um, you know, eventually life will or you're going to be stuck in the same place right. forever. You're unhappy and all that. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Uh, there's an unknown factor there. But um, going to finance a little bit, that's why it's good, um, you know, to get some money under you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how many people statistically live paycheck to paycheck, but that's why they don't take risk. That's yeah. why they like don't change jobs. They don't take a lot of risk. 
uh, support to have money under you. But being your age, man, being able to do that, that's pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I know Publix is a good place, though. They do have good customer service. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to um, people that are fake. Um, I mean, obviously, you deal with that in life. You deal with it all the time. Yeah. But I've gotten to a point. I'm 31 now speaking to a 19 year old. Um, it takes time. Mm-hmm. I, I had to grow up a lot. Even in my mid-20s, had a lot of situations. To, uh, was vulnerable with people. Told them stuff. It got around. You know, they spread the word and all that. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking, man. I mean, I think uh, people like girls get their feelings hurt. Guys do, too. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough, you know, when you're vulnerable with people and all that. But uh, you just got to learn, and I'm getting better at it every day, just to let it go. For we sure. can only control us. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I think that's part of why you struggle with it. You're like, I want them to be okay. I want them to let it all go. Maybe they don't want to let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a point, maybe there's a reason why. Maybe there's something they're dealing with that has nothing to do with you. Maybe they're going through something in life that we don't even know anything about. Maybe nobody ever will. There's so many factors to people's lives. Going into the grocery store, I have uh, like seeing people and they just ignore you. Mm-hmm. Used to, like early 20s, I'd be. I'd be fired up going to call my girlfriend. Like, I can't believe they ignored me. <laughs> you don't know what they're going through. You, We yeah, have true. no idea, yeah. you know, and so you put it on yourself like it's me. Mm-hmm. I did something to this person when in reality we have no idea what the whole situation is about. For sure. Um, so dealing with fake people, it's tough. But being able to develop that and just sit back and say, I'm going to control me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to stay out of, you know, certain situations with certain people to preserve myself. Um, but you know, I can control me and that's all I can control. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's good. But, uh, great stuff, man. Yeah. So high school, you recently were in high school. Yeah. How, how long have you, when did you graduate high school? 2022? Two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is 2023. You've been out about a year. This generation, man. Uh, I mean, I say that you say that you're like sighing about it. This is my generation. Yeah, but man. Something there's some things I'm like, all right, I kind of like that. And then there's things that are like. How did we get here? You know, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. So being in high school, you were in high school in COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how was your experience like? Because I graduated in 2010. This was a long time ago. Life was more simple. We only had the iPhone 3 okay, or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. Uh, so what is life like being in high school, being out looking back? What was the experience like struggles you dealt with and all that? OK, yeah. So um, high school was a really cool experience for me you know people always say like middle school is when people start to find their friends and everything like that's who you find your people and the type of people like the type of person you want to be you realize that but it was really high school for me when I did that um I never really had a group of friends that lasted throughout all of high school um kind of bounced around from friend group to friend group had a couple friends that were there for me throughout the whole thing and very grateful for them um so that was that was mainly what high school was for me is trying to find my people to find the people that I wanted to surround myself with and the figuring out who I wanted to be. But I mean, that was my senior year really when I changed. So there's people who I've, I hurt when I was in high school. Um, and I've, I, if I haven't reached out to you know that I will, because that's something I can't make up for what I've done or I can't change the past, but I hope that you know that I have changed because that's something I don't, that's growth. Yeah. I don't that's want good. to ever hurt anyone. I don't want people to think I'm some jerk. Um, cause I don't want to, that's not how I want to be. Um, but yeah, high school was good. And then once COVID hit sophomore year, that was, man, that was an experience. Um, I mean, I spent, I had all, all my guy friends, we had a whole plan set out. We'd wake up from eight to 9am. We'd do all of our homework for that day and we'd play call of duty for about nine hours and rip, repeat the next day. Wow. So, yeah. But I mean, we, as a, as a sophomore in high school, I had a little bit less to worry about than 
you know, as an adult would. My dad, I mean, uh, he's he's the guy who makes most of the income for my family. My mom works as well, but he makes the majority of it. So there's a lot of pressure on the parents. Like, I mean, no one knew it. No one's had gone through this. Who was alive? You know, what right. what does life look like in the future? So they had a lot of a stress that I didn't have. Um, but high school is it was during that time it was pretty laid back. Um, and joke around with some of my friends, I was like, man, like if we could go back to 2020. Like I, I say that, like I would do it, but I, I mean, I really wouldn't because you know that there's a lot of loss and a lot of pain that people went through during that time. Right. Um, but yeah, me and me and my friends had a good time during that time. But at the same, same time, there's a lot of fear in that. Cause I have relatives who have health issues and we, I mean, we would go w- months without seeing them because we, we didn't want to take that risk. And so there was a lot of, a lot of pain and anxiety that came with that like you know well, those terrible things with people in the hospital and you couldn't they just passed away they were sick and you couldn't even see them and it's awful man i couldn't imagine i yeah. mean i didn't deal with that but i know people that did it's a it's a horrible thing yeah, it, was a, it was a really tough time for everyone i felt like but but yeah so high school was just really a time of growth for me learning who i was and learning who the the people i wanted to surround myself with well it is and it's just the beginning man yeah no you're joke. about to hit your 20s get ready yeah. <laughs> not to scare you but yeah. be excited you no know, there, there's gonna yeah. be pain there's gonna be pain but sure. you're gonna become a better person for it because mm-hmm. i have most most definitely mm-hmm. being in co being in school during covid um how was it like relationship wise? Because high school kids i mean me, me being in high school like with band people we were so close yeah uh, you true. said you stayed in touch with your with your friends a lot. Um, yeah. Did you see some people that didn't do so well with the disconnect, not being around people? What was your experience there? So my experience, honestly, I, I struggled with it because I, I've always been someone who thrives being with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, just playing video games with them was, was better than nothing. But at the same time, I struggled because I was alone. I don't like being alone. Mm-hmm. I like being with other people. Um, so that's really when I got into the gym is when the gyms opened up. I put on a mask, convinced my parents to... Let me get a membership. So I did that. And that was really, that was huge for me because mm-hmm. I got to see people and that was awesome. Uh, right. I loved it and got to, to work on myself, to, to better myself in the gym was, I mean, I, I learned so much from that. Um, but yeah, I had friends who were like me, who want to be with other people who struggled with that. Um, there was friends, I have friends and family who would, you know, go out like nothing, nothing ever happened, but we wouldn't, my family wasn't going to take that risk because we have family members that we love who have health issues and if they got COVID they would probably die so we weren't willing to take that risk so I mean during that time you saw a lot of I mean you saw how different families work and everything and some friends were perfectly fine because they would go out and hang with their friends but I didn't really get to hang out with them during COVID a lot Um, I stayed at home and Played video games, did school, and went to the gym. That was my life for. Yeah, the fear was real. Uh, the The mm. results were real. Yeah, uh, no a joke. lot of stuff. You know, being in the hospital, I traveled as a nurse during COVID a little bit, um, and, and it was a lot. Very taxing on everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, mental health took a hit for sure. Yeah, no joke. Um, a lot of counselors made some bank because because everybody <laughs> was in counseling. Then, That's right, <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah. Now you talked about uh, counseling. You went through just to flip a little bit. Yeah. Therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through therapy myself. Have a, a couple of years back, but most recently, I would say within the past year, have really got into it. Uh, found a good therapist that I that I get along with very well. Yeah. And the growth for me has been immense. Uh, you said you took medication in yeah. the past. What was your experience like taking medication? Was therapy better? Was one better than the other? What was your overall experience with all of it? Yeah, sweet. So I'm, I'm actually currently seeing like a counselor, a therapist, whatever you want to call him, um, a biblical counselor, and he's phenomenal. He's been great for me, um, helping me not only change my mindset but giving me a biblical view. Um, so that's been phenomenal. But I am still on medication for my anxiety. We take the the lowest dose possible. We've never mm-hmm. raised it. Um, 
it's I feel like it's definitely helped, but mm-hmm. sometimes like anxiety's gonna come regardless mm-hmm. when you're on it. Um honestly I wanna get to the point where I'm not on medication. I don't wanna have to rely on that. Right. Um I would recommend therapy first, um, over anything uh than medication. I think it's always best to um share your emotions. I've always been someone who is kind of um, given grace to others but not having given grace to myself um so when i struggle with things i would always if i ever if someone was ever upset um i would convince it myself that it was my fault or i did something mm. always being hard on myself but always being very gracious to other people um is who i was so sound like an empath dude yeah i feel like i'm an empath too yeah. and i think that's rare among men i think it's a rare thing mm. but i've learned in therapy too that's a blessing man yeah being because when people hurt i hurt I, I don't think a lot of people no i agree understand that like a lot of men especially yeah but like i i see that i see people hurting and that's why i think in the medical field i'm so good Mm. because i just care so much Uh, my mom went and saw her doctor i don't think she'll care if i say this but she mentioned this uh to me she said i'm just so stressed out work and stuff i'm trying to help all these people and he says because you care Mm. there's a lot of medical people that don't you've experienced i'm sure everybody's experienced the nurses or whatever they're just like whatever yeah i can't do that it's not inside me to do that um, so I, I think you might need to look into that. It might be an empath, dude, because yeah. I feel like I am for sure. Yeah. Um, man, that's good because that's, yeah, that's me to a T. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I care so much about people that it got to the point where I was trying to be very, um, very humble. And I had gotten to the point where I was thinking less of myself rather than thinking of myself less. Uh, and that's a big difference. So yes. it, that took a hit on my mental health. Um, cause I was very hard on myself. Um, and so that, that's when I really, my parents noticed it. And then also a couple of people at church noticed like, man, you're pretty hard on yourself. Like you need to, you need to give grace to yourself just as much as you give to other people. Um, but so I started to meet with my, the counselor I go to now and that's been phenomenal because I had seen two other counselors, but I had never opened up fully to them. So I never got out, never got a lot out of it, but it's cause I didn't put a lot of it into it. Um, and so with therapy with a counselor, you get what you put into it. Um, and I would, I would recommend people to just be like, just be vulnerable. I know it's hard. It's stressful. You don't want people to think bad about you. You don't want to have those thoughts running through your mind. But when you're able to just release that, I mean, dude, it, it is so peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this time, this is my third one, but it's been phenomenal. I don't, I think I will continue to be with a counselor till the day I die because it's been so beneficial for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I would recommend counselors over over medication for sure, but just know when you go into it, the counselors don't fix your life. They don't fix the anxiety. All they do is give you another way to look at it, um, and you're going to get what you put into it. So if you are vulnerable and you tell, just say, this is what I'm struggling with, and I, I just I need help. Like I don't, I know you can't fix it, but I just need a new way to think about it, and they can walk you through that and give you different ways to change it, and it, it it's very helpful. So. Well, through vulnerability comes peace. We kind of yeah, alluded to that sure. earlier. And you talked about therapy. I think people bad, therapy has a bad rap sometimes. Yeah. So like people go into it and they're like, oh, they're trying to make me think this way. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is, is imagine your mind is kind of closed and it needs to grow like a, like a plant, whatever. Yeah. Kind of a weird example. No, I but, think uh, good. you know, a plant. So, uh, you know, therapy is kind of the water fertilizer, all that. It helps it grow. It can stay the same. Um, it can deteriorate mm-hmm. as possible, but with therapy, it kind of helps you grow, uh, mentally. They're not there to change your mind. Right. They're there to say, look at this situation a different way. Mm-hmm. You're struggling with this for a reason. There's something that happened in the past, whatever. 
uh, childhood wounds, doesn't matter. There's something that's causing this hurt. Let's try to figure out what this hurt came from so we can figure out how to fix it now. And I think a lot of people view therapy as, oh, you're, they're trying to make, change my mind or maybe yeah. or confuse me or whatever. But that's that's not the way therapy is. And I think if you go into it and you actually do therapy, you can figure that out for yourself. Yeah. When I, so I mentioned before, this is my third counselor. Uh, the first two times I was like, man, like these people are just like they don't really they don't care about me. Right. They don't they're not going to be able to change anything. Um, all that. And then I knew. If I told people I was going to a counselor, they were going to make fun of me. So I just had this negative mindset towards it all. So I never gave any effort. Um, and then with this this third time, I was like, you know, I'm just going to tell people I'm opening up about my struggles. I'm being vulnerable um, because I think that's important, especially as a man, because um, I want to be there for other men as well. Um, so opened up and it's been it's been really beneficial. And I think changing your mindset about things is is very beneficial. Um, seeing things from a different angle is very beneficial. Well, that's it. Not necessarily even changing your mind. It's like just viewing yeah. everything from because your mind gets so fixated on something. Mm. And if you can look at it from a different, you're like, well, that I, I don't even know why I held on to that. Mm-hmm. That's not even. It's just the the piece. And you get out of therapy what you put into it. Yeah. I wanted to to uh, sure. specify that point and really point at that. You're going to get out of what you put into it. The more you open up, the more you're vulnerable, the more you share the deep, dark secrets, if you will, all yeah. that. That's when you're going to find freedom and peace from it. And I think a lot of people do therapy. It's very surface level. They don't really get to the root of the issue. Well, you're not going to get better. Yeah. You have to go through pain to get better. Mm. Go through those things, grieve it, whatever. But uh, you're going to get out what you put in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Uh, social media in this generation. So Whew. I want to kind of specify, I grew up. You know, 2010, I created Facebook in 2007. It came out in 2007. I think I created okay. my Facebook. Instagram, I didn't have to like 2017, 18 or something. It was kind of late, actually. Uh, it was recreational. Like you posted whatever. Now, I feel like the generation now, high schoolers, it is their, I mean, Instagram is more important than life. Yeah, it's you crazy. Know, that is their identity, like you said before. Yeah. Uh, what has it been like having social media being a younger person? Did you ever fall into that where it's like this, I have to present this image, yeah, uh, this perfection or whatever. Uh, what's your experience been like? Yeah. So I think when social media was created, it was meant to be this thing that was good where people can be like, Hey, like, look at this that I saw today or whatever. And it was like, you know, it had positive thoughts, but it's come to the point where people post the highlights of their life. But when people only see that, they're like, man, this person has such a good life. Right. Like I have nothing compared to them. And then you start envying that and being jealous and start looking down on yourself. And it's become this destructive cycle for people. Um, I mean, it, it gotten to that point for me too. Like you see all these people who I go to school with posting all these things, going to all these sports events and meeting all these cool people and all the trips that they go on. It's like, man, like I do nothing like that. Like they've got it made. Like they don't look like they ever go through anything bad. Um, and so when I realized like, man, they're just, they're posting the highlights of their life. They still struggle. They're still human. Um, it kind of changed my perspective on it. And I think that Instagram and Facebook and everything, like I post silly stuff every now and then, because I think it's, it's, it should be recreational. Like you mentioned before. Um, it's not something where if I want to make it in life, I need to make a, a post, you know? Right. Um, now if it's like, if that's your income, like there's social media influencers now, I think that's a different story. Um, but as far as my generation goes, um, the likes and the views and everything identify people like, yeah, man, this girl is so cool because she's got 3000 followers on Instagram or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? So it's, 
it's it's destructive and it's taken over this generation. Um, it has, and I think it was created for good. You know, yeah, it's created sure. just to be a relaxed thing, but yeah. kind of the human element uh nature as a whole has kind of taken it so far and because people now can make so much money from it mm-hmm. uh, there's so much income and all that it's so pushed i have to create this perfect identity yeah. Yeah. you know i have to present i have to edit my pictures this way i have to do whatever mm. to create this image uh very damaging i yeah. think long term no joke i agree 100 it's it can be something that's great um but it can also be something that's very destructive so uh, luke place just the last podcast that's going to come out before this one mm-hmm. he talked about he went on social media um and deleted everything bad only follow good pages and all that and i feel like that's a challenge for everybody i really need to do that too yeah i actually um, did that a couple weeks ago i went through and it's not that i unfollowed a bunch of people and a bunch of accounts um like sports and stuff like that because i had gotten to the point where i was like man like i'm caring too much about sports and i don't want it to become an idol um i don't think we put enough emphasis on what you watch in the media that goes into yeah. your ears your through your eyes is so important. Even mm-hmm. when you don't think about it, it's, it's damaging long term. It's going to put thoughts into your mind and all that. People, some people are like, it's not that serious, whatever. I think it is. You're yeah. bombarded with stuff on these social media sites and it changes things over time. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think it's important what you surround yourself with, whether it's friends. Um, and the same can be said about media. Um, the videos you're watching, the music you're listening to, um, the people you're looking up to, everything like that can be could be beneficial or it can be very harming um so i think as like you said with luke doing that i think that's a good challenge for everyone to do is just take a look at what you're viewing take a look at what you're you're listening to is is this helping me or is this just tearing me down you know right. so i think that's something that everyone should should take into thought and it's kind of insidious it starts you know safe like yeah. i'm gonna watch this one thing mm-hmm. or do this one thing and then it slowly creeps up more and more and more and eventually that's all you're doing yeah and I think if you're not careful, biblically, it talks about that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, be careful what you're looking at. Be careful what you're doing. It, it sneaks up on you. I think that's why it's not like you have bad intentions. You have a good intention just to enjoy something or whatever. Yeah. But slowly, sinful type stuff can grow and grow and grow. And I think that's how Satan attacks people. Satan isn't just going to be like, here's this. This is bad. Go ahead and do this. Slowly, he's going to kind of disguise it, yeah, make it look crafty. pretty appetizing, mm-hmm. right? And be like, well, I can just do this. And it'll be okay, but it's going to grow into something that's going to destroy your life and be destructive, I think, overall. 100%. 100%. I agree. Uh, talk about your parents. We we skipped on that, but I definitely want to touch on that. So you grew up in Christian household? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty much your whole life. I was the same way. I feel like I was destined to be a Christian, if, if yeah. you will. In the very <laughs> beginning, uh, you know, I had the expectation. I'm going to grow up in the Baptist church, become a Christian, all that. Yeah. Uh, from birth till now what's your upbringing been like what are your parents like uh, i grew up military style home i've said before dad was army reserve Sweet. granddad world war ii all that yeah uh what was your upbringing like how structured was it was it strict uh nonchalant relaxed what was it like so it's actually it started off kind of being strict and it's kind of gotten looser the older we've gotten um but yeah i've been in the church all my life born and raised there parents have done a phenomenal job of just making sure that our family's always in church um, so I'm very grateful for that because that, I mean, that sh- has shaped me to the person that I've been in and just being in there constantly is, um, has been really good for me. So, but yeah, my dad is, he's a great guy. I love him. Um, I mean, him bond a lot because my, my mom always says you're, your dad made over. Um, we have like the same sense of humor and everything like that. He's a pharmaceutical rep. That's what he does. Okay. Um, he's one thing that he's taught me. I was thinking about this on the way over here is, um, the the links he's like the 
what's the word here? Like the jumps he's made to make sure that his family is good. Yeah. Um, he's been laid off before from companies and had to find a job and he always finds a way. And that's something that I've always looked up, um, looked up to him for is he, he will go out of his way to make sure that his family's taken care of. Um, and I think that's, that's what the job of the man is supposed to be. I think that's biblically, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. Uh, my mom was a stay at home mom for most of my life. And then she, I uh, worked at as, as a preschool director at um, our ch- local church that we were members of at the time. Um, and so she did that. And now she works at the Etowah Baptist Association um, that works with all the Baptist churches in Etowah County. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's my brother is a pastor um, in Georgia now. So my family's always been in church. I've got a brother who's in ministry. Um, I'm considering ministry in some some shape or form. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's been like that. My mom's dad uh, was... Uh, in, in the military served in vietnam okay um so through her side i see a lot of that military type upbringing and being strict and um everything like that and then my dad's side is more of like the the kind of looser in a sense you know like they're more <laughs> laid back and um everything like that so i kind of got the the best of both worlds in a sense and i'm kind of i'm kind of a mix in between them and i'm laid back but i'm at the same time i've kind of got a military top way like i follow things to a t like do it right or don't do it at all type of thing. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of in between that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's looking at it. It's pretty cool to have the, to have those two worlds combined. And absolutely. I think my, my mother's side was like the opposite of you. My dad was more, my mother's side was more kind of relaxed. Um, I think having both of those sides is good, but yeah, yeah, the expectation was you're going to do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you don't, there's consequences to that. You can choose that. That's fine. There's, there's going to be consequences to you making a poor choice. You're going to learn from it. For sure. Um, I mentioned this in another one, uh, spanking children. Okay. Uh, yeah. Some people, you know, especially today, that's abuse. That's, yeah. you know, I was whipped and at the time hated it, man. Like, uh, you know, yeah. uh, at, the, at the time, that's like the worst thing as a kid. But looking back, I'm so thankful. Yeah, I'm so no thankful that my father did that. Um, what's your opinion on that? Yeah. So I think, you know, in today's culture, it's, I mean, if someone sees you, I mean, spank your child, they're going to call DHR on you and everything. But I th- look at that and I'm like, man, if I wasn't spanked, what would I, what on earth would I be? Yeah, like? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. That's, uh, that's where I learned discipline and everything like that and learned that actions have consequences. Um, I got whipped multiple times as a kid, you know, um, man, I was, <laughs> I was a rough kid sometimes and I would <laughs> drive my mother crazy and I was just, I could be rude to her and everything like that. Um, so that wooden spoon and tore me up a little bit oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i'm extremely grateful for that because um that's that's how i learned actions have consequences you know and you're gonna you can choose to do the wrong thing like you said but you will have consequences well for this it. discipline is necessary yeah, I, th- sure. I think though uh, now i think we're in the situation we're in 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 especially in the west in america because there's a lack of discipline there it's too much pleasure 100 n- you know not enough discipline uh but i think we've done we've shown that discipline is bad like it's yeah. it's good to feel good you need to feel good all the time you mm-hmm. need to not have any sad emotions you need to never and that's not reality yeah. that's not really reality i agree yeah so this western idea that you can be whatever you want to you can be happy 24 7 i think is very deceiving um I think to an extent you can be what you want to be, but at the same time there's realistic expectations. You right. don't want to set your expectations too high um, and then be disappointed. Um, well, but, I think if you want to look at a destructive person, they act on feelings all the time. Yeah, it's high low all the time. Mm. Uh, you're gonna feel things every day. Yeah, like every day you're gonna have sad emotions. You're gonna be happy. 
You're going to be excited. Uh, it's good to feel those emotions sometimes, but you're not controlled by emotions. Mm. And I think that's the man's responsibility, especially in life, especially in a relationship, to be the foundation. And some men are very stoic. I think stoic men, they feel emotion just like everybody else, but they're not acting on all that all the time. Yeah. And I think that's kind of uncommon in today's time. Why men don't stand up? Why men, you know, it's because we're emotion based. Yeah. We can have emotions. We're meant to. We're meant to be angry. There's a time to be angry. Mm-hmm. There's a time to be sad. There's For a time sure. to be happy. Uh, but you have to be able to control that and act when it's necessary. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And there's this going back to to the men part with the emotions. I want to touch on that real quick. I yeah. think that growing up in in the past few culture or past few decades and everything, there's this idea that the men have to be this strong person who don't have any emotions. They don't need to react. Um, but as humans, I mean, it's natural to have emotions. Um, right. There's there's been a speculation like that the men's got to be this tough, burly guy who, um, who is just he takes control of everything. But man, like that can be damaging. Takes all the punches, emotionless. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, all that. and it's not that they aren't strong. Right. But I think showing emotion and feeling emotion is good. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think people have took it to an extreme. Like you don't need to, you can't be sad. Mm. You can't be vulnerable. You, mm. you have to be stoic and just do the right thing all the time. But there's a time for vulnerability. There's a time for strength. You can be vulnerable at the wrong time. There's sometimes you got to say, I'm feeling this. Yeah. I feel bad. I'm scared even or whatever. But because I'm who I am, I can feel this emotion. And I'm going to push on. I think though, sometimes, you know, some men don't feel anything at all. And I was like, they're scared to be vulnerable and show yeah. emotion. Yeah, for sure. When, um, when I was struggling and, uh, with that pornography addiction, like we, uh, mentioned earlier, yep. I was, I didn't want to tell anyone because as a guy, like, man, I didn't, I didn't think anyone, any other guy would go through something like that. And then once I did come out and start telling people about it, it's like, dude, the amount of men, grown adults who, I mean, looked me in the eyes and said, but you know how old I was when I finally admitted that? Like I was a grown dude and you're 19 years old doing that. Like, good for you. Yeah. Um, and then people coming up to me who are younger than me saying like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Like, how'd you get through it? And I'm sitting here at 19 years old, being able to help out a guy who's just going into high school. Like, I think it's important for men to, to be vulnerable, especially with other men, like not necessarily like you have to go out and be vulnerable to the whole world, but to other guys, be vulnerable, be there for each other, be there to, to build each other up. Uh, iron sharp, uh, iron sharpens iron. That's what the Bible says, you know, say it in every podcast, yeah, dude. Say I mean, it everyone. we're called to be there and to, to build each other up, strengthen and encourage each other and not to tear each other down. Just because mm-hmm. you're a guy doesn't mean you don't need to have emotions. I think there's a time for emotions. There's a time to be strong. And right. I think there's a little gray area and that's where, that's where we operate. So I think that that's, that's very important um, as men to be, to be open with other guys, you know, be there for each other walk through that tough time with them you know be that shoulder to lean on when they feel like they have no one you know as the guy you're supposed to be the shoulder to lean on but what happens when you can't you know mm-hmm. and you you need that shoulder and be that for that for other guys so i think well, we're not meant to do this alone yeah you know mm-hmm. i think a lot of, and it, there's pride almost in people now in society like i can, I can let everybody mm-hmm. go and do everything myself alone mm-hmm. and that's just so sad. I think people, for whatever reason, do that and they struggle. They're yeah. silently crying every night and struggling and all that when really they're trying to show this facade like I can do it all by myself. Yeah. Uh, Jason Wilson, he's an author in Michigan. I'll link his stuff in the description. But he has two books that's really good. One analogy I want to touch on that he said, it's like emotions are like ping pong balls in a pool. So if you're in a pool and you hold one underwater – and you grab another one, hold it under over over your life. You're holding all these ping pong balls underwater, mm. and eventually 
you got to let them go. And they all just burst. And then you're going to explode. You see midlife crisis, all these problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the regulation of emotion in everybody, but especially men, is important, man. You got to keep things in check and uh, and let some of that stuff go. And like we talked about therapy, that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the vulnerability, I think, with uh, especially married men with their spouse, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend thing, too. That's a good way to build a lot of emotional connection with people. Yeah. Just saying, I struggle with this. Uh, sit down. Let me talk to you about this. Let me tell you what I'm going through. Yeah. You know, I think especially as a man telling a woman that that's going to tell a woman right there. That's a powerful man. This yeah. is a guy that can understand what I'm feeling, verbalize that and then be able to tell tell that to somebody. Not a lot of people, I think, men wise can do that. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. I think that's a sign of a strong man right there. I think mm-hmm. that sometimes the strongest a man, better man. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that sometimes that uh, that that's 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 when you tell that that's a true strong guy is when he's willing to admit like, hey, I'm struggling. Sometimes the strongest men are the ones who are most emotional at times, you know, right. they're willing to say, Hey, I'm struggling. I need help. I think that's, that's the better man. Well, I had a band director. Um, we talked about this in the last podcast, Nathan Haskew with his name, but he'd get emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd get tears in his eyes. A lot of times talking and speaking and stuff. And at the time I just kind of watched him like, wow, but his heart was in it. He was mm-hmm. passionate. He was yeah. showing that emotion. There's nothing wrong with that. I agree. Now I think if you're in a corner curled up crying, all that, that you know, as a man, that's probably not the best thing to do. I yeah. mean, you need to show a little bit of strength. But uh, but emotion is great, man. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a man that's in control of his emotions, able to express that freely and clearly, that's the most powerful man there is. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Online dating. Now, I'm going to talk about this. I'm 31. I've dealt with online dating and stuff like that. Yeah. You have a girlfriend? I don't. I don't. I'm single. Sorry. No, you're cool. Both single, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I'm sure you've been in relationships, high school and all that. Yeah. In this day and age, because of online dating, because of social media, unlimited options and all that. Yeah. Um, what is it like in choosing a partner? I'll elaborate a little bit after you go. Sweet. Um, but, but what is that experience like for you? Because I think it's more difficult... I think back in the 50s, 60s, whatever, it's like you chose somebody, you're in it together, you're in it for the long haul. Yeah. We've seen rates of divorce through the roof. I mean, climbed over year over after 50%. year. Over 50%. Insane. It's crazy. Um, so what has your experience been like? I know you're 19. I don't think marriage is on the radar. Yeah. But dating and stuff like that, choosing somebody to say, hey, I'm going to commit to you. You're important to me. What's that experience been like yeah. for you? So I've always been someone, I didn't I didn't date a lot of girls in high school. Uh, I always, my mindset was long term. Um I'm I'm not necessarily saying I want to get married at 18 years old. I just want to say like if I commit to you, I want this to go long term. I'm my idea is not to have a hookup relationship. You right. know, that's not who that's not where my faith is built on. That's not my values aren't found in that. I want to have something where I can say I want to be your best friend. I want to be that person that you can rely on for years and years to come. Um so that's always been my mindset. I think that um through that um, you know, through my past relationship that I had, I think that that was, that was something that we went through. Like I was saying that we both struggled with that. We were saying like, we want this to be long-term, but we felt like God was leading us in two separate directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a young couple that that's perfectly okay. I think it's okay to say, all right, like God's leading you in this direction and he's leading me in this direction. If he leads us back together, so be it. And if he doesn't, so be it. He's got a plan for both of us. Um, so we walked through that and it was, I think we handled it very maturely. Um, but yeah, I think that when you, I think long term is the way you should look at dating. I don't think you should look at. Um, I just got through a breakup. I need to get with someone ASAP. Right. You know? I think that's made that mistake. Yeah, so yeah it, happens. <laughs> it happens. It, it happens. Does. Yeah, it it one hundred percent happens. There's always going to be that that want to have that person. Right. Um, 
And, you know, sometimes you just got to be willing to say, okay, I need to focus on myself right now and trust that God's going to have a plan. And that's kind of the season I'm in right now is just trusting that the Lord is going to lead me in the right direction. Um, but as far as online dating goes, I think that is a tool that's pretty neat. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's something that can be very cool and very weird at the same time. You know, yeah. um, I prefer meeting people the old fashioned way, meeting people in person, getting to know them, everything like that. But at the same time with the technology we have, it's it's pretty cool to have and be able to meet people who are further off and, you know, see, see meet people who aren't from Gadsden, Alabama, who may mm-hmm. have the exact same personality you do, who love the things you love, who enjoy the things you enjoy. And, you know, it'd be pretty cool to do that. Um, I haven't really gotten in that before, but you know, you never know, but yeah, yeah you're 19, bro. You got, plenty yeah, of I got, time. I hope so. That's <laughs> something, you know, uh, I went through a long-term relationship when I was younger too, had a lot of growth, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of stuff like that. But, uh, you know, God always has a plan, but yeah, going sure. back to what you said about, um, not getting a relationship immediately after I resonate with you. I'm not an alone person. I don't like to be alone. Yeah. I've had a lot of friends, uh, even guy friends. They'll just sit at home for months and be cool. I can't do that. Uh-uh. That's just I, not, that, that's not me. <laughs> that's not me. So what is the, it, and I've had a struggle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be vulnerable here with the people and you, yeah. um, in being single. I think mm. many times, uh, many times I have because I like that connection. Yeah. I like some somebody to be able to hear me and so, like when I speak, they listen and care and all that. It's it's almost necessary for me. So with that, have you had that experience? Yeah. What has that been like for you? Is being single hard for you? Yeah, one hundred. I think you and me are very alike in that yeah, sense for I sure. Um, in um, a lot of ways. Yeah, I I, I hate being alone. I, I always I thrive off of having other people around me, um, and when me and my ex-girlfriend broke up like it was it was really hard on me um because yeah. you go from being best friends with someone that being your person to not having anyone um and so you go through a season where you're like man like i'm struggling but then it all goes back to who am i without my girlfriend like i said with sports you know um i don't i don't believe my girlfriend was an idol but you still have to there's a time where you have to realize like hey i may not always have her but i do have someone who is constant god you know he's right. always there and sometimes you might not feel him um, but Psalm 77 is a good, is a good, uh, Psalm that I would recommend anyone going through a, a time of singleness where they feel like they can't really connect with God. It's all about, uh, what David is writing in this. Um, he's saying when I can't feel God, I want to reminisce on the things, on the times where I could feel God. Um, and that's my counselor actually gave that to me. And I mean, that helped me a lot. And sometimes you can't, you feel like you, you're, God's not there, but he is there. Mm-hmm. Um, just look back at the times where you felt God, where he was working. And then you start to see him in every little thing again. Um, so that's been really helpful, but yeah, I don't, I don't like being single. I'm be honest with you. I'm single right now. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, you know, when we broke up, I was, my initial reaction was, man, I, I want to find someone else, you know, I want to be with someone else because I need to find that companion. Um, then I realized that wouldn't, it's not really being fair to myself. You know, I, I need to focus on myself and trust in the Lord, work on my relationship and the Lord's got a perfect plan, perfect timing and just trusting that. And eventually I mean, I may be called to singleness. I think that you can be called to singleness. You can be. Yeah, but I think my passion, I really am passionate about being a husband and a father one day. I think that's something that God has called me to do. Um, And so I I, I don't think that he would call me to singleness, but at the same time, I don't know. But I think that, I think he'll give me someone eventually. It's just waiting on him and just being patient. Well, being a Christian, God gives you his desire inside of you. Yeah. You know, he puts that inside of you. And I think that's, some people are okay single. Um, and that's okay. But I think if you have that innate desire, that pull, yeah. like I want to create a family. I want to be a husband to somebody. I want to father children. 
I think if you're a Christian, uh, God probably puts that inside puts that inside you. Yeah, there are people. God says, you know, men don't have to marry. That that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, you look at some of the apostles. I mean, like Paul. I mean, he wasn't a married yep. man. He didn't have family or like children and everything. But I mean, he was did great work for the kingdom. But I think there's there's times for singleness. But there's also I think if when you when you start to pursue God, he'll like you said, he changes your desires. He right. puts that in you. And I think for me. He's put that in me, and I think that's my calling. But me too, man. I'm 31. Yeah, I, I gotta get married, and have children for sure. Yeah. Uh, both so, single guys. He likes to meet the old fashioned way. Hey. Uh, we're gonna set up a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have a couple of prospects, I'm sure, after this one. Uh, so I want to talk about what is your biggest goal in life. We're gonna get close to wrapping up here. Sweet. Um, your goal in life. Uh, what do you see? Big picture. Where do you want to be? You're 19 years old. Yeah. Dreams are out there, dude. Um, what, what is your big goal in life? What do you want to do? That's a, that's a loaded question. Um, career wise, I don't really know. Um, still trying to figure that out. I think, um, I think for sure, no matter what I do career wise, I will 100% always be involved in the church. That's something I'm passionate about. That's, I want to be like kind of an elder in the church. If I'm not a pastor, um, I want to be someone that people look up to. I want to be someone who ministers to others. I love the idea of discipleship. Um, you know, walking where a teacher, um, is pouring his heart out into a student, and then that student grows up um, and goes from milk to meat is how Paul words it in, um, in the Bible. It's you go from being spiritually weak like a baby, you know, you're feeding on on milk, and then you go to a point where you're wise enough and you're eating the tough stuff and the meat, um, then you can pass that on, knowledge on to someone else. And I think that when the student becomes a teacher, I think there's something beautiful about that. Um and that's something that I want to pass on. Um, I, I love pouring into other people. I love being poured into so I can pour into other people. I think that's beautiful. So I think that is one of my callings. Um, I also, I want to be a dad. I want to be a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I'm very passionate about. I'm only 19. I get that. But at the same time, I think that's something that um, I'm, I'm excited for. That may be in the next few years. That could be 20, 30 years down the road. I don't know. I, sure. just, I think that that's something that I'm very passionate about. Um photography i love photography man i I love it and i really want to do that um like throughout the rest of my life you know i want to take pictures wherever i go i want to make videos document my family's life and just have that form to pass on to my kids one day but yeah that's really that's kind of the goal is just to be someone who's continuously growing um whether that's spiritually mentally physically um i want to stay in shape take care of my body um and then whatever career comes through that then so be it. I'm That's awesome, man. It. You seem very driven and uh, very intelligent. Seem like you go after it, man. Yeah. Hope, it. Hope, we hope the best for you. Yeah. So I end with this five, 10, 20 year plan. So okay. I kind of alluded to what's the big picture, but let's talk uh, five years from now. Before I start another, I have like 10, 20 thoughts pop in my head and then they just psh, lose. <laughs> but it came back to me yeah. uh, about marriage. Um, it, my vision in my life when I was your age, I was going to get married early 20s, have three, four children. I want a lot of babies. Yeah. Sweet. Love children, man. And uh, I'm 31, not married, no kids. I think it's okay um, to to somebody that's my age, I would say it's okay. It's okay that the the plan didn't work out like it like yeah. you thought it was going to. Uh, more than that, I think it's good to – because life is about pictures, right? <laughs> the way our partner treats us, the way our family is structured. Everything yeah. – we have a picture of the way it's supposed to be. That's where frustration comes from in some people. It's like, you're not doing this thing. You're not doing the picture that I see. Yeah. But don't be frustrated with it. I think if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. uh, God has a plan for you. There, there's a plan behind the hurt 
There's a plan behind the struggle. Um, and there's brighter days ahead, whatever that may be. And just know God has you in his hand and he's guiding and directing your path. I believe that's the way for me. Uh, it hasn't worked out the way I wanted to, to be completely vulnerable and be honest. Um, 31, I'll be 32 next year. I thought I would have three kids already. Uh, but maybe that's coming in the future. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. But I uh, just know that God, God is right beside you. He's walking every step of the way with you. Amen. Keep, keep doing your thing. Yeah. Yeah. But sure. just wanted to share that a little bit. I appreciate that. Back to the five, two, and 20 year plan. I might not have a random intrusive thought come in. We'll see what <laughs> you're happens. Good. You're good. But five years from now, okay. you're, you will be 24. Yeah. So 24 years, 24 years old, where do you see yourself, man? 24. Um, I mean, obviously the dream would be to be young and married. Mm-hmm. Um, the dream would be to be married and have a couple of like three, maybe two, three, maybe four years of just us together. Yeah. Um, living life together, learning what it means to be a, a married couple. Um, and then I want to have kids, um, after that, but I kind of want to have that time with her, um, whoever that may be just growing, learning what it means to be, um, a husband that is completely devoted to Christ and then devoted to her. I want to lead her before I can even think about children. You um, specified devoted Christ and then her. That's a very, very important 100%. point there. Yeah. So, and that's something that I realized multiple times throughout relationships with, with girls in the past is that I, sometimes the girl can very quickly or just your spouse, if you're a girl to a guy and your spouse very easily can become an idol they can be yeah. number one in your life. Um, that's something that in my past relationship that I, we stress to each other is like, I don't want you to ever love me more than you love God. And mm-hmm. we would say that to each other. And if we ever felt like the other one was putting us before their time with the Lord, then we would literally take a step back and be like, you call me when you've done your quiet time, when you spent time with the Lord, like don't call me to, when you're ready to go to bed you call me when you're done talking with the Lord. And that's something that man was just fantastic. Like having that accountability partner who's pushing you towards the Lord. Um, so that's my, my dream as far as, five years is to be that person have a woman who has that same desire as me um i think that would be really cool and i think would set us up to be really really good godly parents well the one you said have the same desire as you you've heard the term unequally yoked yeah i think that's it Mm -hmm. uh do they have are they desiring god's heart like i do right you know people can say it's different denominations or they can say however you want to put it but that's it to me you know are they a christian are they seeking God like I am? Are we on the same path? For sure. Um, being equally yoked for sure is very, very important relationships. I could just see how it would be very, very problematic. Um, yeah. you know, if you if you weren't. It's sure. easier to tear down people than to build them up. So I think putting yourself in a position to where they don't have the same desires as you can be very destructive. Um right. you could tear your spouse down. Um, I mean the woman could tear the man down or the man could tear the woman down. It's just I just don't see it working out if you don't have the same desires. So that's my goal is to find someone who has the same desires and stick it out and see what happens. Absolutely. Awesome stuff, man. 10 years, 29 years old. That's crazy. Still not my age, (laughs) but uh, 29 years old. Hard to think about, but where are you going to be? What do you think? Man, um, the dream would be I'll have some young kids, um, be, I mean, working, um, have a good job that's, you know, paying well for the family. Um, I don't want, my dream is to have a job where, you know, the wife doesn't have to worry about working if she wants to be a stay at home mom. So um, if that's what she's called to do, I want to support her through that. So I think as the man, it's my job to provide for the family and to, to let the the mother of her children be the mother. Um, so I think that would be the dream is 29 year old is to have an income that is sustainable for a family. Mm -hmm. We talked about that. Your dad, you said, I want to touch on that. You said that was, what did you think a man should do? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
a lot of working women out there. Yeah, a there lot are. of women, especially, make more than me. I yeah. mean, I'm a nurse <laughs> yeah. practitioner, and they make more than me. Uh, what is your opinion on that? That's good. Um, you know, do you That's think man's, you know, because Genesis, the way it happened, Adam and Eve, uh, women will have pain during childbirth. Yeah. Man's going to work the sweat of his brow. Man's mm. supposed to work. Women's supposed to bear children. Biblically, that's the way it was. Right. I feel designed. God does too. He said that. Um, <laughs> so, so what is your opinion, kind of, of the man being the breadwinner and all that? Yeah. So, I think that one hundred percent biblically, um, the role of the man is to provide for the family. I don't mm-hmm. think that necessarily, like, you know, if I got married to a woman, I would just look her in the eyes, and be like, "You can never work a day in your life." Type of thing. Right. I think it's perfectly okay for women to work. Um, but I think if you have a child, uh, if you have a child, like. As a mother, I think that that's not saying that that's your responsibility and not mine. My responsibility is still be a father and to tend to the children. But I think as a mother, there's there's a bond that they have with their children that the father doesn't have. Um, the, you know, the the mother carries the babies inside of her for nine months. You know, right. takes care of her, and there's just a bond between her and her children that the father can't have. Absolutely. Um, and so I would encourage mothers to to if they have children to to focus in on that. You know, there's something special there that the father doesn't have with the children. Um, right. But at the same time, you know, there's women out there who are very successful. Um, and th- there's even relationships where, you know, the dad is a stay-at-home dad and, yeah. the, and the mother's working. Um, and, I mean, that sounds great. Uh, you know, there's, I mean, sometimes you're like, Not man, to me. I, I couldn't do it. See, I, I don't <laughs> I know. Sometimes not. I wonder, I'm like, man, I'd I love to be with my kids. But I feel like yeah. I would probably be like, man, I need to get out of here and give me a break. I like it for like a week or two. Yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> I got to work, man. That's yeah. just in me. That was driven to me, I feel like, by my dad. He's like, you work. Yeah. Like, you go to work, you provide, you do what you need to do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hot take, really quick before we go into the 20-year plan. Women that are single moms, uh, very common. Very yeah. common in today's time without a father figure and all that. Unfortunately, um, how do you feel about that? A lot of women work now, work, take care of their kids. They're like, yeah. I, don't, I don't need no man, kind of a common phrase, yeah. or whatever. Uh, you know, I feel like men are viewed as, viewed as disposable at yeah. times. No, uh, I agree. You know, what's your overall view on that? So, yeah, I think that with this culture, we mentioned divorce, um, but not even necessarily divorce. There's a lot of um, children out of wedlock, you know, people yeah. just sleeping around and. I think that that's just not the way that we are designed to be. Uh, there's supposed to be a connection between a man and a woman that is special, and there's supposed to be your partner th- throughout life. And I think that that's something that's special. Um, but when you when you look at a single mom who's working now, if it's if it's like a widow or something like that, I think that's a little bit of a different story. Right. I think you know how strong they must be to be able to have to work and provide for those kids. Um, but I think for it to be like a, a fatherless figure who their father wasn't there for them. So they don't feel like they need a man to provide for their family. I think that's just honestly a screwed up situation. Well, you know? it trickles down, you know, yeah, if, if exactly. a woman doesn't have a father figure, then she's like, well, I can have children. I don't want to get in a woman's mind. Maybe women can speak in the comments about this. Um, but maybe that's, that's the, the irrational thinking behind that. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't, I didn't have that. And I don't, they, my kids don't need that. And as far, and honestly, I would say sometimes, the men should take blame for that. You know, if, yes. if you're a father and you dip out on your kids, like honestly, shame on you. Like yeah. that is, I mean, you put your, your spouse or the mother of your children in a terrible situation. Um, and you are denying your call as a father, um, is to bro- provide for the family. Um, and I think that there, I mean, there's levels to that. I mean, you don't, it, it just bugs me to see when that stuff like that happens because, you leave a mother with her children in an awful situation. And mm-hmm. then you see, like you said, it trinkles down like that, put that woman in a tough position and 
then she develops this hatred towards men and then she teaches that to her kids and right. then her kids teach that to their and it just goes down and down and I mean that's where our society's at now with the divorce rate and that's where the, my generation and the generation following me is I mean it's just going to get crazy and it's just it begins and ends with a man yeah for uh, sure Everett Overton a guy his content a little questionable I'm not going to lie <laughs> uh, but he has a lot of fire quotes I'll say mm-hmm. uh, it ends and begins with a man I think it starts with you if um, you know if a woman is irrational if she's not marriage material what are you doing. Uh, why are you sleeping with a woman if you're not married to her? Why are you, um, you know, why are you doing that stuff? Yeah. Uh, you got to really think about that. Uh, something to really consider. Being in a household, I, I know my mom and my dad, uh, people talk about masculine, feminine energy. To me, both was important. Yeah, for you sure. You know, the softness of my mom, the the structure of my father. Um, do you think that's important? How important do you think that is to a kid's life? Yeah, I think that... Um I that's a good way to put it the softness of your mom and the structure of your dad um not that they're i wouldn't say that your dad shouldn't be soft i think there's times for your dad to be right. vulnerable with your kids so that they see you know i they i don't think a kid should grow up thinking that their dad is this guy who doesn't struggle um, i think it's important for dads to eventually be open with their children because then you if, especially if you have a son it teaches him how to be a good a good man as well um but at the same time i think the softness of a mother um just is there's a special bond with that. You know, me and my mom have a connection that me and my dad don't have. Right. Um, you know, she's, but also me and my dad have a connection that me and my mom don't have. I think mm-hmm. that they, that they have a connection to their kids that the other one doesn't. And I think that they both have a role to play, um, in their kids' lives. And I think that together that they can, if they work together and that they both do their job and I mean, it sets the kids up for, you know, it's success. yin and yang to me, yeah. you know, um, the masculine, feminine people use that all the time on yeah. social media, all that. But that is what it is. Uh, you know, the softness and, and, and the harshness, the structure in a way mm. doesn't mean a woman can't be structured. A man can't. But it's the polarity there. Yeah, that sure. play in, in, a, in a child's life, I think, is just very important. They need both. Both yeah. is very, very important. And I don't think, in my opinion, one parent can do it fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see the statistics, you know, statistically, it just doesn't work out well. Um, some people, like I said, they do it all on their own and like single moms, I can do it all. I do everything for my kid. That's fine. And, and we see that. Yeah. But statistically speaking, there's a void there I agree. that with a parent missing, there's a reason the structure is between a man and a woman. There's marriage. There's a solid foundation. Mm. Just like with your Christian faith, there's a foundation there. Uh, that is stable. A, A child is born into a stable situation. I think that's the way, you know, God intended it for a reason, not just because he wants to be mean or whatever. There's a reason the structure is the way it is. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's 100% God designed it to be that way. And when it's not going that way, then that's when you see brokenness. And it's it's just a sad thing, you know. It is. Yeah. It is. We need both parents, man. 20-year plan. 20 years. 20, 39 years old. You'll be over, older than me then. <laughs> uh, 39 years old. What do you think, dude? 39 mm. you're not seeing that's hard to even imagine really yeah that's crazy um hopefully by that time you know my kids would be older um parenting a teenager would be kind of crazy that's a time that i can't even imagine right now but um you know just being a, i want to be a dad who's there for his children um still providing for the family um hopefully kind of by that time having a little bit more stability under us um saving up money and everything like that and just you know, being a, a loving dad who is vulnerable, but like we said, structured at the same time. Yeah. Um, 
get that retirement. Yeah. Better get start that saving up. Start saving up. Yeah. I yeah. want to have that retirement um, as soon as possible. So, you know, I can travel the world. That's my goal. But, yeah. But yeah, I would just say continue to be a family man because that's who I am and continue to, to work hard and everything I do. Cool. Yeah. I'm getting tired, man. We're going to go and wrap this up. <laughs> thanks for watching, everybody. Bo, thanks for being here, dude. Yeah, I appreciate it. This you. has been awesome, and thank you for the vulnerability. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot from this and, and potentially heal from this. I so, so. Hopefully, I find healing. Thank you so much for watching, guys. I'm Dr. Jared Nelson, the podcast, The Better Man. Uh, we are on every single streaming service, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music. We're on everywhere where your podcasts are going to be. Give us a five-star rating. Because we give five-star service. That's it. Also, follow us on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe to the channel. We'd love to see you there on YouTube. It is a better experience with the video and all that. Thank you so much for watching, guys. Until the next one, peace.